Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Witglass Unfiltered. I'm your host, Courtney Huntington, and this is episode 72. Thank you very much for being back with me today. Uh, today, we're going to talk about education, but before I do that, I want to talk to you about a coffee that I've been drinking uh, over this past weekend. This is right after Labor Day that I'm recording this, and and um, we had a a wonderful family guest in town for the weekend, and uh, we enjoyed some really nice coffee with him. And one of the things that we opened and tried this weekend was this uh, delicious coffee that I mentioned in a previous episode that I bought recently at Trader Joe's. It's the Honey Processed Organic Nicaraguan Coffee. And um, the very first time I tried it, I tried it using the method where I grind the beans manually and put them in the little funnel, um, the little hopper for, for grounds on the Yura Impressa C60, and um, it, it worked out magically. I just made myself a shot of espresso, and it was fantastic. Uh, and it ended up being the the coffee of choice for the uh, the rest of the weekend. So just as a reminder, this is the honey-processed organic Nicaraguan El Pastorale Estate, strictly high-grown Um Let's see, Trader Joe's Organic Nicaraguan Coffee is hand-picked, 100% Arabica coffee that's strictly high-grown between 1,300 and 1,500 meters above sea level. It's also honey-processed, quote-unquote. Contrary to its name, honey-processed coffee does not use actual honey, nor does it necessarily result in coffee with honey notes. Rather, the word honey refers to the sticky nature of the coffee beans when the skin and fruit pulp have been removed, but the mucilage layer has been left intact. Now, if you listen to previous episodes, you know how much pleasure I get from, uh, um, from reading that word mucilage. Our whole bean organic Nicaraguan coffee is classified as yellow honey processed because the mucilage is partially left intact and, when dried, yields yellow coffee beans. Though the dried mucilage eventually falls off the beans when roasted, its presence throughout the coffee processing is vital to the smooth, creamy, balanced cup of coffee that results from these honey-processed beans. And let me tell you, it is smooth and creamy. Uh, On the front of the package, they say caramel notes, very mellow, creamy, low acidity. And that's accurate. Very accurate. Um... I've enjoyed it as a cafe long, as a, uh, as a shot of espresso. Uh, I forget now if I have tried this one in a, in a French press preparation. Yeah, I don't remember. But there you have it. It, it is a truly delicious coffee, and I highly recommend it. Um, the Yura Impressa C60 is a great machine and having a separate burr grinder to use side by side with it um, increases the versatility of the machine immensely without the burr grinder the Yura Impressa C60 is still a wonderful machine but the fact that you can use a burr grinder separately and put in whatever beans you want simply makes it possible to satisfy your palate, your fluctuating palate on, uh, on a day-to-day basis or even a, 
uh, meal to meal or um, day part to day part basis. Uh, sometimes my taste buds prefer a different flavor of coffee in the morning than they do in the afternoon. Or sometimes with a particular uh, breakfast food, I prefer a coffee that's a little richer or coffee that's a, a little smoother or something like that. And with the, the, um, the benefit of a burr grinder that is separate from the urine press that allows me to choose my beans and quickly grind the bean that I want for that particular part of the day or that particular meal means that now my wonderful, already amazingly wonderful Uranpressa C60 can satisfy even more uh, palates. And, and so uh, it's been really nice to, uh, to add that. Why we didn't do it sooner was, well, a variety of factors, some of which I've already mentioned because uh, early on, the idea was to not clutter the counter with extra things. I think at this point, and we'll see, at this point, I think that the grinder itself at least does not take up too much room. So I think that we'll be satisfied to leave that there, even if we don't end up leaving the Keurig on the counter along with the Euro Impressa. But um, we'll see. It, it, it certainly has been nice to have additional options. Um, my wife does tend to prefer her coffee darker than I like mine. And I think that's because she puts a little bit of sweetener and a little bit of creamer in hers, uh, whereas I tend to drink mine black. And since I'm drinking it black, um, the, the, darker, uh, the darker roast or the darker brew um, has a more pronounced effect on my taste buds. Uh, than on her. So uh, this coffee, though, is, is really nice. Um, I still don't remember if I've done it in a, um, a French press preparation or not, but um, in, in all the varieties that I've had, it um, in the espresso machine, I've certainly enjoyed it. And it, it's a very, very nice coffee. So if you have a Trader Joe's near you, I would certainly recommend the Trader Joe's honey processed organic Nicaraguan coffee from the El Pastorale uh, estate. All right, enough of that conversation. Let's talk about education now. Uh, in this episode, I want to talk about some of the fundamental goals of education. See, it is very very easy for us to lose sight of the larger goals of education in the midst of the day-to-day -day goals of education or even the year-to-year -year goals of education. Um, the most important goals of education are goals that you won't really know for sure if you've accomplished for a decade or two decades because the most important goals of education bear fruit in adult life rather than in youth. So as we consider the goals of education and, and how to implement a, an education strategy, it is extremely important that we don't lose sight of the large picture goals because the, the small picture goals that form um, 
this, the overall strategy are essential, but they cannot take precedence over the large picture goals. Okay, so this, by the way, the reason I'm bringing this whole thing up is that I believe that there is one particular large picture goal that is routinely left out of the discussion, at least, uh, shall I say, routinely discarded from the discussion in most of today's education conversations. The only ones that you find talking about this particular aspect of education are those who have specific... um, specific, oh man, what's the word I'm looking for? I apologize. They, you have certain people who, who have um, strong commitment to particular ideals. And it is those people who will talk about this particular concept that I'm about to, to mention. Okay, It is the concept of morality. Now, we talk about ethics all the time in our education, even among the secularists. But the concept of morality is usually, if brought up at all, discarded, except by those who have specific religious schools. Now, that might be religious homeschoolers. That might be religious... Uh, Christian schoolers, but uh, amongst those who participate, and I apologize for the uh, the noise there in the background. That's the Euro Impressa C60 shutting down, and I, I forgot to push the button to manually shut it down prior to uh, to recording. But you, so that, that's what you're hearing back there. Um, it, uh, among those who are involved in general policy discussions in the United States regarding um, regarding public schools, otherwise known, I think, better known as government schools, um, and among those who are part of um, secular private schools, the question of morality if it's ever brought up, is discarded because morality is inherently religious. Now, on this note, I I want to make sure that something is very clear in this discussion. It is impossible to depart from religion. There are some Christians, even, who want to say, oh, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And the reality is that they're setting up a false dichotomy. What they're driving at is important because the Christian religion is based on the relationship with Jesus Christ. So it is religious, but it is a religion about relationship. It's not a religion about performance. It's not a religion about 
the satisfaction of um, of divine whims. Okay, it is about the relationship with Jesus Christ, and the reason it's about the relationship is that He has satisfied the justice of God. Okay, but it is wrong and leads to error. Um, serious error, perhaps even what is commonly referred to as heresy, if we create a dichotomy between relationship and religion. Christianity is a religion that is about relationship. Now, there are lots of other people in the world today who aren't Christians who also want to talk about how it's not about religion. Whatever, whatever. Life is not about religion. But the reality is that it is impossible to separate oneself from religion. Even if you say, I am an agnostic and I have no religion, you do have a religion. Excuse me, you do have a religion, and your religion is called agnosticism. It is a religion and it affects every single aspect of your life. Those who want to say that there is a separation between religion and government are absolutely wrong because it is impossible to separate the two. Government is always religious. Though it may not be officially tied to a specific religion, the religion of the government, the, the principles that guide the government will be rooted in one religious uh, um, system or another. Our government here in the United States is increasingly rooted in uh, religion of atheism. Not just agnosticism, but anti-theism. The non-existence and opposition to the idea of God, any God. Now, thankfully, just because the principles of our government are increasing are increasingly atheist, doesn't mean that the population of the United States is overwhelmingly atheist. But the population of the United States is increasingly atheist. And this is very important to understand. It is true that that um, it is possible to exercise government in a way that tolerates varying religions. But you see, even that is actually rooted in religion. There are religions that say all religions are equal. There are other religions that say there is no religion and everyone who is not of our religion should be eliminated, put to death, wiped off the face of the earth. There are other religions that say there 
is only one true religion, yet we should be, for lack of a better term, tolerant toward those who are not of our religion and strive to persuade them toward our religion. Okay, now Christianity tends to be among this latter group that says we don't have to wipe off the face of the earth everyone who disagrees with us. Everyone who does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of heaven and earth, the, uh, the one and only Son of God, also God, uh, part of the Trinity, God in three persons, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a pure and sinless life, was crucified, actually died, was actually buried, and actually rose again. Just because you don't believe that doesn't mean that you should be wiped off the face of the earth. And it is the religion itself of Christianity that teaches that that is the case. See, so the, this particular religion teaches that you should be, um, be tolerant, as it were, toward those who do not agree with your religion. However, that doesn't mean that the religious viewpoint ceases to have an effect on your government and on your view of how government should perform. It also doesn't cease to have an effect on how you believe your education system ought to perform. Now, our education system routinely discards the idea of morality in part because it discards the idea of religion. But life is inseparable from morality, and morality is inseparable from religion. So, as we talk about education, we have to think about morality. Everyone tends to agree that murder is wrong, and so it's easy to talk about that one. But there are some religions that say that if you kill someone because they don't agree with your religion, it's not murder. Well, that's pretty significant if you ask me. Is it acceptable to kill someone simply because they don't believe your religion? Is it okay as an individual to walk outside and talk to your neighbor and your neighbor says, ah, I don't believe in that God that you believe in? And you go, oh, well, blammo, you're gone. Well, if you're of that religion that believes that that's the case, then you have a different idea of murder. You have a different idea of morality. And the two ideas of morality, one that says that any form of murder is wrong, and the other that, um, that individual murder of your neighbor because he doesn't agree with your religion, is not actually murder, well, you see how those two things don't fit together. And that's an obvious example. And we could go down the list and talk about those things that are less obvious. 
Okay? But morality is important. We happen to live in a, a culture in which um, one of the fundamental ideas of morality, which is sexual morality, is treated as if it didn't exist, as if there were no such thing. Everybody gets to decide for him or herself um, what they will do sexually, and it doesn't matter. Now, the only... I mean, there are people who, who say, well, it doesn't matter unless you have made a contract and committed yourself to this particular person. Um, and I'm not here to talk particularly about the morality. I'm here to talk about education. So I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of that. But um, regardless of of that perspective, the, the simple reality is unquestionably present that in general, sexuality is treated as not an issue of morality unless you're raping somebody. And then it is an issue of morality. So forced sexuality is a moral issue, but general sexuality is not. Now, my perspective on that is that unless we teach sexual morality, teach that there is such a thing, and teach the proper ideas of sexual morality, that our education system will always fail. No system of education, no matter how clever, no matter how well designed to achieve the desired ends, will ever be effective in the long term in producing civilized discourse and upstanding members of society so long as it refuses to teach true morality. And that is the point of today's episode. The things that matter most must be part of our system of education. What is much less important is the method of education. Another thing that is less important is the structure of our education. Take, for example, the graded system that we use today. First grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. I will do another episode soon on why I think that's a bad system and how I think we could do it better. But for now, let's take that system that I think is very bad. Uh, I'm sorry, that structure. I, I want to use the term structure very clearly, very carefully to describe that. Okay. So... I think that structure is very bad, but that structure, if combined with the right principles of morality and the right application of morality, with hearts that um, love the right morality, believe the right morality, teach the right morality, and perform the right morality will be far more effective in raising decent 
upstanding members of society than a school that has a much better structure that is much more organic and better matches the progression of each child from a state of non-maturity to a state of maturity. If that better structure is not also combined with that same good morality. The morality is the foundation of all sound education. Now, does that mean that I would never help uh, an, a school that teaches bad morality to improve their structure or their methods? Of course not. I would take it on a case-by-case basis, and if I had to choose between two projects, one helping a school with good morality and one helping a school with bad morality, I would, I believe, I hope, every time, choose to help the school with the good morality rather than the bad morality. Okay, now, let, let's, let me bring this back around. I want to reiterate the key point here. My key point in this episode is not to talk about the, the specifics of morality, but to discuss the fact that we must discuss morality. And anyone who refuses to discuss morality is refusing to discuss education because you can't separate the two. Oh, I just want to talk about math. Um, okay, why don't we talk about whether it's right or wrong to steal? Oh, in fact, why don't we talk about whether or not it's right or wrong to cheat? Now, on that one, I can tell you, I, I cheated on tests when I was young. I didn't need to. I would have done, um, in most cases, on average at least, just as well had I not cheated Okay, so I, I'm not here to say I never cheated and you shouldn't either. I'm here to say I did and it was wrong and you shouldn't do it either. Just because I have a right understanding today doesn't mean that I always have had that. But the reality is that we have to be in a position to communicate to our young people that we believe certain behaviors are wrong. Cheating on a test is one of them. Stealing is another. And of course, cheating is a form of stealing if, you, um, if you're uh, parsing things carefully enough. If, if you cheat, you're stealing answers and and um, results, right? Okay. But if you are not willing to discuss morality as it connects to education, then what you are doing is either lying to yourself or to those you're talking with about education. And the thing you're lying about is whether or not you believe that there is right and wrong. And all these people who say that there's, you know, that morality is flexible or this or that are the very same people who are most upset about what they call racism. They're the ones who are most upset about what they call sexism. 
They tend to be the people who shame the most. They tend to go by the name uh, social justice warriors in our day. Um, uh, progressives, etc., etc. And if you are in that camp and you say, no, morality has no place in our schools, you're lying. Because in fact, the claim that someone should not discuss morality and that morality has no place in our schools is actually a claim about morality. You are making a moral claim. You're saying that you shouldn't talk about morality, and yet you are talking about morality to try to prove that you shouldn't talk about morality. You can't escape morality. So anytime somebody tries to argue that morality should not be part of the discussion regarding improving our education system, you can be 100% certain that that person is arguing for the continued destruction of education. Because claiming that morality is not part of the discussion is, uh, is logically inconsistent. You, you are denying, in fact, one of the fundamental laws of logic, which is that a thing cannot be both A and not A at the same time. But if you argue that morality has no place in our education system, then what you are doing is arguing with using morality that it doesn't belong, in, which means that you are saying that it is possible to have morality without morality. And that is logically inconsistent. And you are therefore undercutting every aspect of your education program at that moment. All right, thanks for being with me today. That's it. Morality is a thing. Morality is a good thing. The question is not whether there is morality. The question is what the morality is. And it if you're not willing to discuss that, then you are destroying education. Yes, I said it. You are destroying education. Thanks for being with me today. If you're enjoying this, tell all your friends and family, all your peers, your co-workers, your neighbors, let them know that this show is available and that you can find it on iTunes and subscribe to it there. You can also find it on the all-accessible World Wide Web at wit.glass. That's wit.glass. Check out the website. Tell me what you think. And email me at halfwit, H-A-L-F-W-I-T at wit.glass. That's H-A-L-F. W-I-T at wit.glass, halfwit at wit.glass. If you would like to contribute financially to this program and to the website, we would be delighted to accept your money because this is a listener-supported broadcast. I might eventually have sponsors and that sort of thing, but for now. It is a, a listener-supported broadcast, 
And I welcome you if you have funds in your account, in your budget, that uh, you could apply to this. I would welcome that in any amount, even a single dollar, could be put to good use. Thanks again for being with me on episode 72 of Wit Glass Unfiltered. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.